Hello and welcome to Kuni Quest, episode 241. I'm your host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Wandering in limbo, David McBurney, Fanboy Master. Um, enjoying a sunny day in Japan, your man Japan, Michael Baker, Gaiji Minogatari. The man where a river runs through, Robert Albright. <laughs> it runs through, huh? Okay. Yes, it's split right down the city's split right down the middle by the Rio Grande. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Really big river then. So. I mean, the, the river down the middle of my city is a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah, they call it the Rio Grande River. The Big River River. The River Big River. Yes. I'm trying this to remember not the name of the River place. King. I'm trying to, trying to remember the the name of this one place in England that is literally the same word repeated four different times in a row in different languages. Because every time a new group moved in, they asked what the name of the place was, and like somebody said, the Ford. And they use that word and plus the new word for Ford, and then it kept agglutinating. How was everybody's New Year? Pretty good. Busy as all get out at work. Fun? Question mark? The ERs were hopping. Oh boy. Oh, hold on, my character was succumbed to crippling embarrassment and couldn't talk to NPCs. What hell are you playing this time? I'm playing Dragon Quest XI. Because mm -hmm. I'm going to beat it in two months. Uh, of course. Yeah. That's a nice dream, isn't it? Hey, it happened oh, last yeah. year, remember? Amazing. And that doesn't mean I'm confident with... it can happen twice. Well, I am going to finish this game before .hack GU Collection comes out for the Switch. It's happening. I'm already 22 hours in. Got a good start. Good, good headway. You know, I was you know like 40 hours into Dragon Quest VII, so I was a bit further into that one. But that's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally gonna. It's, it's totally doable. Well, I'm saying, I'm mean, saying totally Quest a lot. Dragon Quest is at least the better game. Uh, I, w I will. I will be the judge of that <laughs> in about two months. No, you won't. Yes, I will. I meant between Dragon Quest Eleven and Dragon. Quest I will be 7. the judge of your judgment. Mm, yeah, like I said, I'm gonna be the judge of that. Because, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of this game's skill system so far. So we'll see how it goes. Well, it's the same skill system they oh, used in wow. Well, yeah, I didn't like that one either. <laughs> it's actually a better version of the one they used in Night, but also you're a coward. <laughs> uh, what happened to Megaton 5? 
Oh, that's still gonna get played. I'm just. Uh... Did you ever beat Joka? No, not yet. I'm still grinding. What level are you at at this point? Twenty, I think. Twenty. That's code for not actually grinding very much. Not very much at all. No. No, I, I mean, I just got to Taito Ward in Mega Ten Five, and I am a bit lost. Hmm. Just a bit lost because it's a really big random area where you can go literally four different directions. And um, silly me, I I didn't realize I had actually found one of the next warp points before I went and challenged a local um, subquest boss that was ten to fifteen levels higher than most of my party. Uh, so I got to explore even more of it. Right. So, still at the SMT5 grind, it sounds like. Not so much a grind, because everything in this new area is giving ridiculous amounts of experience. So. Yeah, I didn't mean literally, just that that is, that is your, your routine gaming pursuit. So just jumping around, looking around at things, trying to find the little red guys and not getting killed. <laughs> that last part is a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> on the plus side, I have found out that there is no effective cap on stats in this game. So. Weird. Oh, no, I mean, when you hit 100, the entire bar goes this nice kind of shimmery yellow color, and it, it gave me some sort of announcement that I didn't pay attention to. But then I put it over 100. <laughs> so. so my current <laughs> luck stat is 102. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, I, that seems a bit too lucky. I have no idea exactly what this is going to be affecting on the battles, but I'm having fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> 102. Good God. However, I mean, if I had if I had done it with like either strength or magic instead, I'd probably just be one-shotting most of the bosses at this point. Um, but there's what's the fun in that? I think uh, if if we're talking SMT five, I think it's like agility, which is the broken stat. Yeah. Same with the uh, SMT4, apparently. I can Before see didn't that, have a defense stat, so agility was particularly important. Yeah, I mean, especially since just dodging an attack will immediately take um, several points off of the mm -hmm. action bar. It's pretty uh, broken. Yeah. Well, also, because I've been watching uh, Scott from RPG Fan play on his streams, uh, our, the agility stat is also what causes your damage to go up with guns in uh, SMT4. Ah! Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, that's what SMT5 needs, more guns. <laughs> Only have the one gun user. 
percent and he's not actually playable. Well. Currently, if if no one cares too much about what the actual stat cap is, I just went to the trouble of just looking it up. Mm -hmm. do, do you mind or? No, yeah, go for oh, it. Tell me, what what is it? What is it? Yeah, the actual stat cap is 999. <laughs> wow. Huh. Like, any given stat can reach Yeah. Are you still playing Mega Man's? I can never tell how far behind I am. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I started in on Battle Network Five. Hmm. It's uh, four. way better than four. <laughs> uh. It's, it added like a weird set of strategy RPG missions that happen huh. periodically. Oh yeah, I remember those. Those were fun. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. neat. And the game really encourages you to try to optimize for them, which makes takes them from being kind of trivial to like actually like, oh, if you don't exploit all the mechanics you will not meet the like par turn limit that it wants you to meet. Mm -hmm. you're also allowed to replay them so it's not like it's a major deal whether you get them first try or not mm -hmm. uh, yeah I've been enjoying it uh, it's, it's more Battle Network it's much less tedious than Battle Network 4 because like there is a plot that is going somewhere even if that plot's very silly uh, I mean, was there any other way for it yeah, to go? yeah uh, I mean, I wouldn't want it to be anything less than incredibly silly. Uh, like, highlights thus far include Mega Man becoming Shadow Man's friend and declaring, My soul res resonated with your shadowy spirit of illusion, which is how I wish to greet all new friends from now on. Uh, Shadow Man's owner previously also challenged me to find him inside of a statue of a squirrel. Uh, with the instructions, Jack into the squirrel, you will face me deep in the heart of comp. Okay. So. Oh, all the things I missed by playing these games in Japanese. <sighs> oh, well. <laughs> but yeah, it's extremely, extremely silly. Uh, still very fun, still very mechanically rock solid. Um, and. Uh, worked out some of the kinks that they ran into with Battle Network 4. I'm not sure that I would say that it's better than 3, but it's at the very least like much more in-step quality-wise with it. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. So, been enjoying that. Uh, played some more Tales of Arise. Sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, been quite liking that. Uh, just... 
beat a bonus, well not a bonus boss, but a boss, uh, which is nice because it dropped what I needed to make some new weapons because that's how this game does weapons, you have to make them. Are you playing do, uh, in battle, do but you otherwise, the main character or do you switch between them at all? Out of curiosity. Uh, I switch around occasionally. I usually just stick with the main character if it's just like a normal fight, but if I have to like have a more control on the fight, I may switch between characters. Mm -hmm. Any particular reason you ask? No, I'm just curious. I, I switched off to and to playing the female main character mostly. I feel like I get a better... Xion? Yeah, I feel like I get a better like commanding position for battles. It's kind of neat. It's yeah, but you're one of those people that likes whatnot. playing from range, so... True. Uh, you're basically like a criminal of some description. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's been fun. And let's see, I blasted through the main campaign of Super Mario 3D World. Nice. Uh, that's pretty solid. It's like it's not my favorite Mario game. It's not necessarily because there's anything particularly wrong with it. I just 3D Land and 3D World are both good games, but like I don't see much of a point of trying to make 3D Mario play exactly like 2D Mario. Yeah. Like that feels extremely pointless to me. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, because think... you just end up with, uh, as it turns out, you have made uh, a game that is not actually making much use out of 3D. Well, I, f I felt like... What were you saying? I was going to say, I felt like 3D Land did a little bit more creative stuff with it, but it felt like 3D World couldn't yeah, uh, 3D Land was at least like... Yeah, I mean, like, that was that was kind of the issue with, uh, like, they were really emphasizing the idea of, well, you can do multiplayer Mario, and it's like, yeah, and there's only so many ways you can do multiplayer Mario. Right. You you end up having to severely restrict how levels work. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad game by any means, but no, especially if played by yourself. Yeah. Like, oh. Uh, multiplayer is kind of well. Anyone that watched our stream on Sunday can see that it's uh, uh, insanely chaotic and a mess. But yeah, if you've ever wanted to just hate whoever you're playing with <laughs> with every fiber of your being completely within about ten minutes. Like, maybe play that as, like, the last thing you play with a friend you're moving away from or something, just so that you'll never want to see them again. Like, that's, that's what that's good for. Uh, there's, there's a few... There, there's at least one clip floating around that basically ends with me cursing Wheels and Joe's names. It's good times. Uh, it's good times. And... Uh, to Wheels' delight, I popped in Metroid throughout this morning. Yes. And finally started playing it. Yes, I love that fucking game. Uh, let's see, I just got the, the Aether Cloak ability. Nice. And by just got, I mean I was getting it as we were starting the podcast. Uh. Yeah, follow up on games for the past week, it feels like. 
Sweet. So yeah, I feel like just just to look at it, I appear to be about halfway through Battle Network Five. I just to be third of six liberation missions, which is what they call the sort of strategy RPG interludes. Mm -hmm. Those missions are kind of interesting because, like, they're the one thing in the game that really, like, in the main game that really, like, forces, or, or at least tries to force you to really get good at the battle system. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I also remembered there are, there's more Boktai tie-ins in this one. What? Of course there is. And... The Bakta, the ultimate Boktai chip is one of the most ridiculous things in the game. <laughs> uh, it, it summons the protagonist of Boktai who uh, drops a coffin on the enemy uh, dealing about 250 damage and 250 damage to everything within eight squares around them, which means that if they're in the center of the enemy's natural grid... Uh, the enemy is just... Everything in the grid is going to take 250 damage. It's, it's a pretty gnarly oh. amount of damage for any uh, random battle. But also, if the enemy somehow survives getting hit with the coffin, it will just drain HP for the rest of the fight. Like, it will just constantly be losing HP until it dies. <laughs> and that applies to bosses. Mm -hmm. huh. So that's ridiculous. They want to make sure we never forget their game. Yeah. Much. They wanted to make sure that we never forget the game they didn't make. The, Who did make that? Uh, Baktai was a Konami franchise. Oh, weird. Uh, I am given. Uh, I would like no one has ever spoken in English about uh, much about this crossover, but I would suspects that Boktai was never the success that Konami seemed to want it to be, and they must have cut quite a sweetheart deal with Capcom to put it into Battle Network, which was very much the kind of success they were hoping for with Boktai. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. I uh, guess not many people manage the solar power sensor. No solar sensors here anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh... This would have been a tie-in with Boktai 2 Solar Boy Django, which the one that occasionally had you playing as a vampire and would thus punish you for playing in the sun. Huh? <laughs> but... 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 Okay. You know, I'm not even gonna ask any questions. Uh, I was going to give one last uh, thing about Battle Network 5, which is there are two versions of that game. And much like Battle Network 4, they actually have substantive story differences, except that Battle Network 5 has an actual story, so the substantive story differences mean something. Huh. Uh, like, because, like, basically the impetus of the game is protagonist's father has been kidnapped. Uh, we need to stop the evil organization that kidnapped him hmm. and is seemingly in the process of torturing him. That's a weird thing to get into loops to. Uh, but... So one of the things you end up doing is you uh, get recruited, like these liberation missions are caused because you've been recruited into a group that is trying to dis uh, destroy the organization that kidnapped your dad. Uh, 
who the person who started that group is different depending on the version. Uh, uh, the version I played, I think, it was there Colonel. was the Team Proto Man version. Yeah, Team Colonel is the more finished version that actually leads into the plot of Battle Network Six and has a uh, like has an ending that sort of hints at that. Battle Network Six references the events of Team Colonel specifically. Uh, it was not the first version they released. Uh, the first version they released came out like three months beforehand and was Team Proto Man. I'm playing Team Colonel because that's the version that gets referenced and all that. It is weird to me that they did this, though, because, like, these are not situations where either plot could be happening in parallel. They are just, like, a The weirder thing about it to me is that Proto Man was an existing character, like, involved an existing character with a great deal of history in this franchise. And it is weird to me that his version is the one that is not canon. Huh. The, uh... Well, Proto Man's always been sort yeah, of a gray area character, though. And maybe that's the reason why they did that. I don't, I don't know. Like, I think the bigger issue is just that I think the Proto Man version's just not finished. <laughs> like, I think they rushed it out, and the Colonel so version was the one that was... the other one? Yeah, Proto Man, as I recall reading, came out like three months beforehand. And like in America, they came out at the same time. That's just weird. But... I'm talking just for the story. I'm, I'm not talking about their, you know, which came first type of thing. But just, you know, because Proto Man, you know, as a character in any of the Mega Man series, I just stepped on a landmine. Um. Huh. He, um, you know, his character is usually like sort of a gray. He's not really good, but he's not really evil either. And maybe that's why they want team team uh, the Colonel version instead being the canonical version, just because of the fact. This is supposition, of course. Um, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not sure how much Battle Network you played. I've played most of them. I just never beaten any. Yeah, so Proto Man is unambiguously a heroic character in oh, okay. Battle Network. His operator is kind of a dick, but he is unambiguously heroic. He's a character that, like, Lan has a lot, Lan, the protagonist, has a lot of, like, rivalry with throughout the first few games, and then, like, he kind of just. He kind of isn't in for, and, like, he's only in one version of five to any significant degree. It's very strange. But, yeah, uh, looking it up. In Japan, uh, Team of Blues, a.k.a. Uh, Team Proto Man, was a December 9th, 2004 release. And Team of Colonel uh, was a February 24th, 2005 release. Which would mean that, like, given that most of these games had, like, an 11-month development cycle, it got a pretty significant... Like, the addition of eight or so weeks to the development cycle honestly probably meant a lot. But, yeah, yeah. On, only one of them actually has like a hint at the plot of Battle Network Six, and that's Colonel. And then they had like even weirder to me is that later th this is the only one other than the remake of Battle Network One to have a, a DS release. 
There's a DS release of Battle Network 5, Double Team. Oh, that's right. And that is not like a Pokemon third version where they like amalgamate the two versions. That's just both versions on one cartridge. Okay. Huh. I, I, it's, it's weird. Cause like, that's another like five months after team Colonel, that version came out in July of 2005, like three or four months before battle network six, everything about that version strange. Uh, like if you can only play, if you can get hold of that version, it's the, it's the best version. It has both other versions. On it. it has some of its own little bonuses, but it is one of those things where it's like, I don't know what the thought process was here. We get them to keep buying the same game over and over. We make monies. It just feels like you had five months. I feel like you could have maybe amalgamated these plot lines and made something that. Allowed both of I these to happen, but I guess they didn't. That would have cost care. more money. It's true, it would have. And then they just and never this, made a DS version of Six. This this really strikes me as a naked cash grab by somebody who was not actually in charge of anything involving the production of the game itself. Quite plausible, but yeah, just just one of those things where it's like it feels like a missed opportunity to not do. Something like what, say, a Pokemon Crystal or Emerald or what have mm. you does, or Platinum does, where they like mm. make a definitive version of that plot. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, but that's that's all fine. Battle Network Five is a good game, uh, and again, very very confused by the fact that Battle Network Six did not get a DS release of any fashion. That seems like an easy cash grab as well. Maybe Double Team didn't do the numbers they were hoping. Hmm. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I've been enjoying Battle Network 5. Uh, stay tuned for more info on Mega Man Quest. I suspect that by next week I will have finished Battle Network 5 and may very well be on the way to finishing like Mega Man's X Advent by that point. My connection seems to be somewhat better than it was earlier. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Where the hell is That's this? That's what I've been playing. Where the hell is this mermaid in Dragon Quest Eleven? Can't find her. Oh, I love this plot line. I don't remember where she was. Where do you think a mermaid is? The ocean. It's big. <laughs> She's off on the west side. Look for, um, like, a, a beach strand. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I was thinking you were thinking of, like, the first time you went into the No, no. Or are you on the first time? No, up? I'm past there. I just Okay, so I was like, the like, there's a very big plot that's just her on the beach. And it's just like, buddy, if you can't figure out where that is, I can't help you. Oh, here we go. It's a war plane. Mm. Wonder what my crewmates think when I just warp off the ship. Probably, darn it, full speed. We have to catch up. Okay, let's break out the good schnapps now. He's gone. Hey. Because <laughs> notice your your the uh, 
The ship is always there, wherever you go. Sure. Before you get there. Also true. A really good GPS systems. It's magic. Yes. Don't do the magic man thing, Wheels. Don't what? No, I'm not. I'm not going to help you. I'd say don't remind him of the thing you don't want him to be doing. I don't. I'm, I don't want to lie to her, right? Now, does lying Such to the mermaid ever get you anything good? What no. Come on. Let's see. Let's see. Um. Yeah, I think. Uh, Wheels, what have you been playing? Is it just Dragon Quest for you? Uh, I've been messing around with some other games. Uh, Monster Hunter Stories, uh, Persona 5 Strikers, uh, and playing some East. Uh, so, Ask me about East. Yes, I'm going to be playing some East this year too. I want to clear up my East backlog and maybe a Legend of Heroes or four. Uh, so, digging, really dig into the Falcon backlog this year is my plan. <laughs> Good luck. You should play Legend of Heroes 1 on your Turbo Graphics. No. Why not? I think I tried that one time and it was boring. Oh, I didn't realize you were a coward. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fucking play it if you want. But no, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish some East and then dig in some Legend of Heroes. A Legend of Heroes. Yeah, I'm one either for your Turbo Graphics. I'm either near the end of Trails of Cold Steel one or depressingly far from it. I don't know. I feel like the answer is almost assuredly depressing. Oh, for, oh, for sure. Very for sure. And this is Trails we're talking about. The answer is always yes, because no matter how close you are to the end of one game, that just means that the next game is looming. Oh, it's true. It's true. I would like to like open up. It waits. It hungers. I would like to open like the second executable <laughs> and see that too. It thirsts for your blood. Actually, honestly, I'd really like to get to three so I can stop playing on the Vita. <laughs> oh, I really need to grab the Switch version of 3 and 4 before this period. I just have not touched that series ever because I know that it would just take my life away for five or six years. Yeah. I'm slowly accumulating them on, on uh, Steam. I'm keeping I'm my uh, need to play... Cold Steel in check by virtue of the fact that uh, I'm waiting for the official releases of the Crossbell games that have now been announced and that I have on pre-order. Nice. Send you to Cross Hell Wheels. I don't know where I would go. Yeah, I know. It's fine. I want to play that Legend of Heroes action RPG. It looks cool. Uh, Boundless Trails? Yeah. Only kind of a spin-off of uh, Legend of Heroes, but yeah. It's set in that world, Ow, right? Uh, I'm not actually convinced that it is. 
Weird. He's from everything I've ever heard. An AU based on the world? Mm. I'm speaking specifically of the game that was at one point known as Nayata Kisaki. Oh, Nayata is a completely different world. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Nayata... It just I, has I the Kisaki the... part of the name. Yeah, Nayata no Kisaki, from what I remember of the write-up I did like 10 years ago, I guess, um, it's like the world has ended, literally, everything's an ocean, you're on an island in the middle of nowhere, you have no idea if there's anything else on the planet. Huh. Just like real life. Yeah. That's all I remember that, and Nayata is a Buddhist term designating the largest possible number anyone would ever care to contemplate. It's somewhere past like 1,000 quadrillion or something like that. Huh. Once and, you get past that, there's not much point in contemplating. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember I made Max Storm laugh because I said something like, hopefully this does not presay or does not um, have any reflection on the actual word count of the game text. I mean, it sounds like an ambition Falcom would have had for any sort of thing that they were labeling as a Kisefi-related title. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. And Tam, what have you been playing? Uh, I have been playing pretty much just Final Fantasy fourteen. In fact, uh, I am trying to do one of the hardest challenges in Final Fantasy fourteen. Is that to log on? No, actually, my server has been pretty good. <laughs> I think the highest I've seen my server has been like 250. So here's That's the thing. Yeah, no. Um, so when Shadowbringers launched, you know, they did a server split and they created a whole new world called uh, the Crystal Data Center. And they moved servers off of the two other data centers and made this one. And one of those servers is Balmong. And Balmong is known as the big roleplay server. So a lot of people who were on these servers that ended up being part of the uh, Crystal, which are uh, includes Delaria, Malboro, Brunhilder, and a couple Diabolos, which is the one I'm on. Um, all those people who were more into the hardcore raiding scene were so so offended that they all left for the other two data centers, <laughs> taking the oh. free transfers. So, for the most part, my data center, there's been a few outliers, but for the most part, the queues on my data center are a lot lower because we're not considered the, we're considered the roleplay data center, not the hardcore mm. data center. Where, what's funny is, if you know anything about roleplayers, they will do anything for gear that makes them look good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They will do anything for roleplay gear. So all these people who left had a gross misunderstanding of what roleplayers do. In fact, um, my server, Diablos, is probably the least hardcore server out of everyone. Baomong is actually the hardest core... Uh, hard is one of the... Hardest of hardcore. Yeah, hardest of hardcore servers when it comes to raiding. But everyone had this perception that just because it was role players there would be no rating on this on this data center so that's how it comes there's still queue times of like thousands on those other two data center for some of their servers because 
again, back in Shadowbringers, all those people left. So those, and people want to go to those ones because of the fact they're perceived as being the hardcore raiding servers. I will not pretend to understand further politics. <laughs> so, but, uh, no, actually, um, so there's a deep dungeon, um, kind of like the ancient dungeon from Luffy and whatnot. It has 200 floors, and one of the hardest achievements in the game is to solo all 200 floors. And you have to do it without dying. If you die, you have to reset from floor one and do it all over again. Hmm. 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 And some of the classes have done this, um, but many of the classes only have like one or two um, clears on my data center. I don't know about some of the other data centers for some of the classes. So I am trying to do this because uh, I can. Mm -hmm. Y'all built different for me. This sounds like essentially the thing that I will be tortured with in hell someday. Um... <laughs> well, I'm shooting things with lasers right now. Yeah, but you're doing it via an MMO. Well, Big yes. <laughs> but it's an MMO I enjoy, unlike World of Warcraft. It always comes down to that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm allergic to MMOs, so that's why I'm saying for me it'd be hell. Um, I found guitars. I've played... There are a few at this point. I think that I'm just allergic to the way that they function. I tried 14. I gave it the old college for me. Did, did you try the ARR 14 or 1.014? I was absolutely not going to buy into 1.014. Okay, okay. <laughs> not even to see the world literally blow up at the end? No. That's too much money for such a limited privilege. I didn't get in on 1.0 either, but that was because I was uh, unemployed, uh, had no money, and my wife got into the beta and said the beta made no sense. So, we, Well, we that's a good way to save money. So we just kept our money going to WoW at the time instead of trying to play 2. That's <laughs> Only because we already owned WoW. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, um, I did play Street Fighter V. I completed the story mode, um, but I still need to go back and beat the last two fights because you can. See, it allows you to skip the fights if you want to just see the story. In case you care about the lore, like an insane nerd like me. Yeah. Well, my problem was is by the time I got to those last two fights, my hand was physically hurting, so I was just uh. like, I, I, I can't do these right now. <laughs> well, good on them for letting you, uh, letting you just see the end. Sometimes that's important. I need to play more of the Street Fighter. I was really enjoying that the last few times I was playing it. And I also uh, completed uh, Karen's story mode. So. Oh, yeah. So that's really been it. Uh, I haven't really played much else. Unfortunately, because new, you know, Final Fantasy XIV expansion, lots for me to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
Oh, well, I'll be damned. But yeah, so uh, I should probably hit some of the new questions that Firemonger dropped in the Discord so politely on the very last day of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, and a, a softball straight down the center. Uh, you know, a pitch straight down the center. Celebrate Metal Max 2 Reloaded getting a translation. Why don't we get some questions related to Metal Max? I had to verify this. I had not seen this. But yes, Metal Max 2 Reloaded has a fan translation out now, so I need to play that. Yeah, it came out last month. I was first made aware because somebody was asking a question on Reddit about what do these things mean. I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> That's in English now. Okay. Learning. Yes. Okay, some of these questions are trivial, some of these are pretty decent, and one of these, I'm not sure what item you're talking about here. Could you please give me some more context? <laughs> he never got back to me. As is the uh, case per Reddit a lot of times. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. here's one that Gaijin's the only one who will have enough experience to say meaningfully. Uh, <laughs> is it just me, or does the flow of the story of most Mega Man... Uh, not Mega Man. Metal Max games work about the same. Well, I mean that assuming that they have a story. Yeah, a lot of, of them course. they're they're pretty open sorts of games, which is probably what lends them to their kind of loose story flow. I mean the the original Metal Max game did not have a story. You which... just went out and you looked for stuff. That's um, really a statement of intent there, isn't this? Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's arguable whether or not Metal Max Xeno Reborn has a story either. <laughs> it seems to have lost some of the story from its original version, which was even then light on story. But, um, no, I mean, generally, it's simply you go out in a, um, in a tank. If you don't already have a tank, you will find one soon enough. Um, you basically take, you go around the entire region of the world in a rough circular motion until you have explored everything, taken out all the monsters. There will be minor interactions with other characters, and eventually you will figure out what the biggest threat to the area is and deal with it. That is your basic plot line. Um, the minor details are often more interesting. Um, Metal Max 2, 4, and Season of Steel all actually have a situation where you are fairly certain you know what the final boss or final villain is going to be. Hmm. Not necessarily the same thing. Um, and it's just, like, from the start, the setup of the... at the beginning of the game lets you know exactly who the big bad is. So you know ex you know what you're working towards, even if you have no idea how you're going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but otherwise, yeah... Um, yeah, this is a series where it's, like you said, it's very open. Metal Max 4 has probably the most actual plot content. And <laughs> even then, it's mostly based around various uh, party members and NPCs. Quest-based. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's also the one with the strongest central protagonist as well. For what it's worth. It's like it's like saying Dragon Quest Eight has a strong central protagonist. Compared to Dragon Quest One. <laughs> Dragon Quest VIII's protagonist has, like, a backstory and some relation to the plot, which, I mean, yes, Dragon exactly. Quest I, as opposed to Dragon Quest ones, who's just like, well, your relation to the plot is that you solved it. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, like Metal Max original, your main character is just the son of a garage mechanic who wants to go out and see the world. Which is mm -hmm. why the game officially ends whenever you go back home and tell dad that you're retiring. Doesn't the matter story is dad. whatever goes between these two events. So, so yes. basically you could leave town, walk back in and say, I'm done. Yes. Yes, actually you can. I did that once just to prove I could. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, even after you beat, the, even after you beat the Noah core at the very far end of the map and officially end the major threat to the region, you still have to go home and tell your dad that you're retiring. You still have well, to choose to say the story is done. Well, in Metal yes. Saga, I mean, you could couldn't you beat the game without even leaving the first town technically? In, uh, in Metal Saga, like, it asks you if you want to play the game at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's a, it was in Metal Saga. It was a call out to the original Metal Max to let you do. Yeah, that. like that's absolutely what it's doing. It's like, are you sure you want to do this? And you can say no and just never do it. Well, so uh, you it, can't really call that completing the game. It's just a silly joke alternate ending that is a reference to the. I mean, it's not even the only game in the series that does that. There are at least, I mean, Metal Max Two and Three both have fake out uh, romantic endings. Yeah, Saga also has a fake-out romantic ending if you just propose to your first-party yeah. member. I mean, Metal Max 3, um, on the mission to escort the bride to wherever she's going, and when there's an issue... Did I cut out or did Gaijin? Gaijin did. The game will end with the two of you. And I really wish they had actually continued with an alternate... Um, storyline based on that because it would have been really fun so otherwise she just steals your bike and runs off and then you have to chase after it because that was a nice bike <laughs> it was a really nice bike but yeah but that's a good um, impetus to get the player to go somewhere it's like give me back my bike yep so i mean basically to answer the question it's not that the i mean the flow of the story is very similar as in you don't know exactly where you're necessarily supposed to be going but it's going to be a fun ride getting there yeah like it's more it's similar in the sense that it's an extremely loose frame yeah that's also why i appreciate the fact that the map fills in as you go so you have no idea what's coming up next and you just want to go find out mm. yeah uh. Let's see. Uh, how can Mega Metal Max games hide the fact that they are low budget, turn to 2D, or uh, use a very stylized 3D look, aka soft faded? I mean, 2D I mean, is expensive. I mean, <laughs> on an HD system, 2D is expensive. The way they've succeeded so far is just recycling assets as much as possible. Yeah, that's that's going to be key to them as well. I mean, there are some enemy designs that have not changed since the first game. They've just upgraded the sprites. Um, let's see, Metal Max 3 was the first, was a, a major upgrade for a lot of them from uh, Metal Saga Season of Steel, but even then it had some of the same sprites. Um, just pretty. And then Metal Max 2 Reloaded used the same sprites as Metal Max 3. And then Metal Max 4 put in a huge amount of, of effort into rendering all of these sprites into 3D. They're still exactly the same models, but they're 3D now. Hmm. And uh, they really should have reused as many of those as possible for Xeno, but they didn't. Nope. This is their big HD game. Oh, shit. We fucked up. Yep. 
So I guess the best way to hide the fact that they're low budget would be to simply um, use all of the 3DS assets. In a yep, just uprest those fuckers and just keep going. <laughs> because it honestly, they have some really great sprite work and a much larger um, bestiary than Xeno did. Much larger. Yeah. Much more inventive. Which leads who us, wants of to course, fight, to the... Who wants to fight astronaut oh. zombies? <laughs> okay, yep. Leads us to the follow-up corollary question. Speaking of which, do you think that the landscape design of Xeno was restrained by its budget? I think everything about Xeno was restrained by its budget, but also it was just a simple-conceived product. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you don't... Not, they did not need to upgrade it the way that they did. Yeah, like, they didn't have the money to make, like, a big epic game, and they did not have... Like, they, they really should have just stuck to making something that fit within the kind of budget that they had. And again, recycling as much as possible from Metal Max 4. Um, yeah. You could have just made Metal Max 5. People wouldn't have yelled at you. <laughs> no, we would not have. I mean, honestly, if I, wanted to, if I wanted to try and define what I think a really awesome Metal Max 3D game would look like, it'd probably be Shin Megami Tensei 5 at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, although that's probably this outside their budget too, but still, it is massively Same idea. outside their budget. That this is exactly the kind of thing that they were going for with having to climb up and over collapsed buildings and <laughs> across desert regions and everything. It was, um, it really does feel like what they were wanting to do. Yeah, they it's did. one of those things. Like if they if they wanted to do that kind of game, they would need Karakawa, who I believe currently owns it. To actually invest budget. And Kadokawa definitely has the money to. They just don't give a shit. Yep. But that means that um, the people in charge of the franchise have to work with, well, how much of a shit does Kadokawa give? Um, five minutes in the public toilet? Something like that. Let's see. Let's see, going down here. Number four, how would you feel if future Metal Max games cut voice acting completely? I'm not actually sure if Xeno Reborn had voice acting, because I don't remember it. Um, yeah. And, I, all, and, 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 I mean, all, like, over half of the actual character scenes in that game were cut from the original anyway. Um, and Metal Max 4 was only the first one to have voice acting to begin with, so, you know, it would not change the experience that much. Probably save them some a fair bit of money and technical headaches, so I mean go for it, buddies. <laughs> yep. Number five, let's see. The funniest joke in a Metal Max game. Okay, this is gonna be weird. <laughs> um, because I mean a lot of the what's funny about Metal Max isn't the write in the writing so much as it is the things that they set up and they show. Especially since um I mean, it's only two of the games have actually gotten official English releases, so it's... But, you know, okay, for the actual best translated joke, it was a joke that was added in to Metal Saga. I think I've mentioned it before. But um, in Metal Saga, in the Japanese, you have... Um, I mean, in Metal Saga, you have one of the musclehead heroes. Or, not villain. Heroes, villains. Um, and in this particular game, it's Saint Muscle in Japanese. <laughs> and he's um he has his own church called the Muscle Cathedral. And it turns I mean, as it turns out, um 
almost all of the Musclehead villains are somehow connected to uh, a pre-apocalypse company called Muteki Medical, which specialized in enhanced enhancements for human fighters to try and fight the robot hordes. And so Saint Muscle has found these super soldier pods in a lab beneath his cathedral that he uses to turn his followers into super bodybuilders who are brainwashed to follow his every command. I knew this was what you were going to pull out. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And it's also one of the game's um, joke endings is if you get caught or otherwise get defeated in this cathedral, you will be put in the pods and you will spend the rest of your life as a incredibly buff and bronzed bodybuilder, which is very funny in itself. Um, you get to see the, you get to see the final results even. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I can tell you that the, I mean, the Japanese text was fairly normal um, as far as these things go. Um, Saint Muscle was going on and on about um, basically giving a parody of a, what's considered a stereotypical preacher Christian preacher speech in Japanese, just saying Kamisama mm -hmm. a lot. Um, which, I mean... Just imagining, yeah. like, a very southern man yelling, God, over and over. Yep, yep. That's how um, you vocalize that. <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't be very interesting, which is why I was very happy with how Atlas localized this section. I mean, obviously, they, <laughs> they changed his name to Father Muscle, because Saint Muscle was just going to be a little uh, problematic. A little too much. But, um, yeah, I, I watched part of the section on this on YouTube and just started laughing when the some of the differences in localization became very apparent. Because, like, like I said, um, the Japanese version just has basic exhortations to God in his mm -hmm. sermon, whereas the, the English localization has him proclaiming the good word of St. Arnold and the blessed Turboflex. Uh... And I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. Okay, so the, for the best actual translated joke, sure, that. I'm going to go with that. Um, but for references and in-jokes and things, um, most of my favorite stuff from the series has to be just references to other post-apocalyptic literature and film um, not all of it funny, but quite a lot of, a lot of it very good. Um, mm. So, like, uh, Metal Max 2, um, no, sorry, Metal Max 3. Um, far down left corner of the map, um, there's this, just this one little spot that you can visit. It has zero plot relevance to anything, not even a side quest involved. Um, but it looks like a beach resort. And you just walk around, and you find, like, um like shriveled up old bodies in the beds and you find journals. Um, you find a gun in one corner. Um, the last journal says that, Oh, this person's dead. These two killed themselves. Um, something such as dying of radiation. I'm just going to walk out into the ocean. Wow. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Ooh. not a joke at all, but it's, it's an excellent reference because this is basically what's left at the end of the book on the beach. Yeah. I mean, I had to look this up, but it is like point for point. This is what happens to every character in on the beach. And it's just, it's, there is zero reason for this to 
um, this um, just to be in the game at all, but they did it because they really enjoy the genre. Yep, that's a lot, lot of post-apocalyptic uh, media references throughout Metal Max, to my understanding. Yeah. Um, and then Metal Max 4, there was the Alpine Hawaiian Resort. It, it was originally a domed resort that was supposed to have a tropical climate on the inside. But the... Um, actually, oddly enough, Metal Max... The world of Metal Max did not actually have a nuclear war, per se. Hmm. Mainly because the uh, mad AI... Uh, organizing the war uh, was very much in favor of trying to preserve the environment as much as possible, which is why I was trying to cleanse it of humans. Um, so uh, it disabled most of the nukes before the humans could use them. Well, that's good. Cannot. Good on us. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, but yeah. Um, so the, the quest line for this resort, um, I mean, the, the local androids have been running the hotel side, but nobody's been able to get into the actual Hawaiian resort area because it's been locked. Mm -hmm. um, but it's actually part of a... Um, but you and two other groups managed to get in as part of a treasure hunt quest that was originally from 50 years ago. It was part of the original resort's um, activities mm -hmm. list. And everything's all fun and games until... Um, until it turns into a teen slasher movie. Okay, then. I'm not even joking. It, it turns into a teen slasher movie, and you're running across members of the other team just in pieces, literally. Um, and eventually you see the, the culprit, and it is... Um, well, it's a reskin of one of the musclehead bosses, but he's just all in black, and he just stalks after you, and he is impossible to beat. Hmm. But you have to keep running away and running away and running away until you can lure him out onto the frozen pond in the middle of the area and then get into a fight with him and use a flare gun to melt the ice. Uh, so, sorry, I'm, yeah, again, not very funny, but very fun memories. Yeah. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, let's go. Keep going. Which video game animal companion is the best, and why is it always dogs? I will fight in favor of Raidoku Zunoha's cat. Yeah, Goto is awesome, yes. I think he's mostly talking about um, Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Metal Max itself. In which case, I mean, Metal Max did have a polar bear join you in Metal Max 4. That was fun. In the case of Metal Max, Pochi is always man's best kick-ass good boy. Just because no, you can put him into a tank. And he will shoot stuff. In his own little miniature doggy tank. Okay. Okay, and last, number seven. How would a Metal Max spinoff in the survival genre look like? I think I just described it with the Nature Trail to Hell in 3D scenario from Metal Max 4. Um, but I mean, yeah, there are zombies in Metal Max. Um, not the most recent one, because they took out all of the biological enemies, or most of the biological enemies, and all the post-human ones. 
Um, but, um, Metal Max by itself is largely survive. So, less ammo available, I guess. And, uh, Something like that. And, yeah. and speaking of which, is there any video game about camping? Not survival, just camping. Just the most recent couple Animal Crossing. Uh, Final Fantasy 15. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of camping in that. Yeah. I was gonna say break out your Coleman grill. Yeah, official Coleman yeah. gear, even. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would say probably like Boku no Natsuyasumi. Oh yeah, there's like that's not all camping. Like I think you're aren't you usually like staying with relatives in Natsuyasumi? Yeah. So, there is definitely camping involved. Yeah. And if they ever make a video game based on the Yudu Can um, anime series, then it's gonna be all camping. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised no one tried that. I mean, it's still yeah, a relatively new kitchen up to. Oh wait, Natsuyasumi, they just made uh, fucking Boku no Natsuyasumi meets Shinchan. Pew just mentioned that rem I should say, reminded me that Monster Hunter Rise comes out on PC soon and that's going to screw with my plans to finish games. <laughs> yeah, no, you're going to get wrecked. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, I nearly forgot that uh, they made like a Crayon Shin-Chan opening up the Asami. Uh, I would prefer never to remember Crayon Shin-Chan. Wow. Harsh. Uh, as a teacher and as a parent, he is everyone's worst nightmare. Ah, uh, of course. I mean, I don't know if I mentioned this particular story, but many years ago at a Halloween party, um, there was a party game where you you had the name of somebody, a character or a famous person on your forehead, and you had to give that person clues, and they had to guess what it was. Oh, nice. And for my wife's group, nobody could come up with a good clue that she was able to guess, and so I just walked over, looked at her forehead, and I said, world's most annoying kindergartner. <laughs> Crayon Shin-chan. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a quick way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, for whatever reason, they made a Boku no Yasumi game that stars him. I mean, they made all sorts of games starring him. Yeah, it's, it's just weird when you do it to Boku no Yasumi, since that hadn't existed for, like, ten years. Hmm. Uh, they, they got Millennium Kitchen to make it, I think. Hmm. At the very least, Kazayabe was involved. Oh yeah, there was a there was a desire from Ayabe to get the game released in English that does not seem to have panned out, but I respect his attempt. <laughs> yeah. Uh Bogan and Nazi Asami, what a weird franchise. Uh yeah, I mean, every other game I can think of that has anything resembling camping is probably also survival to, to an extent. Yeah. Maybe one of the Atelier games, but maybe then it's... That one's mostly wagons. But yeah. Yeah. 
I do like the camping that happens in the Grand it's a gets a certain mood around it because it's like okay we're gonna break camp everyone's gonna sit down to eat everyone's gonna discuss what's actually been happening all day it's like oh that's that's fun that's like breaking camp making camp to after going on a long hike I can appreciate that <laughs> it's that little bit extra not really a game about camping but you know gets the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, that runs us out of new questions. Well, there's the one on the ep last episode. Shaman left one. Oh, uh, I didn't see it when I was looking. Yeah, it's still the most recent comment on the site. Oh, then I'll go check. Just because nobody's actually left a comment in the last week aside from him. Comments are hard. Let's see. There we go. In light of wheels starring starting Astria ascending, the two things I remember from it were the locked surprise encounters with enemies that had multi-target stun attacks and nearly caused me to snap an OLED in half, <laughs> and the experience cap. Apparently being a point short of a trillion. Is that the biggest experience cap in a non-Disgaea RPG? The only other game where I know the experience caps... Yeah, I've never... Like, I've, I look into level caps. I do not... Looking into experience caps is the way of madness to me. Yeah. Isn't, like, Pokemon a million? Uh, I don't know. Probably. Hmm. I've never looked it up, and Googling for it gets me level cap, which is very different. What? Just how much experience to level 100, basically. Yeah. Uh, 1,059,860 experience points for a Pokemon to reach level 100. I, I know it's a million or so. Yeah. Although this seems to be different depending on the Pokemon. True. Yeah. Yeah, the amount varies depending on species, but yeah, like... Oh god, there's like this horrible formula here explaining what it'll take to reach each level. Oh, I don't like this. And they have different EXP groups? Yeah, apparently there are different EXP groups that determine how quickly uh, Holy Yeah, no, this is complicated. I don't like this. But yeah, each of them uh, the, the lowest amount that something can need to reach level 100 is apparently... A mere 600,000. The highest amount being as high as a hundred, uh, as 1,640,000. So a full over a million. Uh, oh god, these formulas. I don't want to try to resolve these. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, Pokemon has uh, one that is approximately like one one millionth the amount that you can apparently reach in Astria Ascending. Hmm. So that sounds awful. Uh, but why would you ever need to reach the experience cap? Like, what what does it matter what it is? I, I don't know. People are broken. That's, that's, you're not wrong. Uh, I'm looking at this guy itself, just since that was brought up as not counting. Um, yeah, to reach level 9,999 in most Disgaea games, apparently the base EXP requirement is 15 billion. Huh. Uh, most story characters... Uh, oh, EXP times the character's EXP multiplier. Most story characters therefore require 76.25 billion to max out their levels. As they have an experience multiplier of five, and that's of course before you start like starting them over at level one over and over and over. So that's probably part of why this guy doesn't count. Um, uh, can't like I'm trying to think of the highest numbers I've ever heard of existing in a game. Uh, and it ends up being things like. Uh, Giga Wing 2, which is a Dreamcast shooter reputed to have, let's see, like high scores in that. I'm seeing like quadrillions of experience, 22 quadrillion, uh, not experience, 22 quadrillion points in Giga Wing 2 for the Dreamcast in terms of like, that's the highest shooter score I've ever heard of. And I can't think of any EXP amount that even reaches a trillion. Like, the, you bring that up is terrifying to me. Uh, can anyone even think of a higher number than that appearing in a game? No. Not really, no. I'm perfectly fine with that. Once you get past a certain level of numbers, it's like, this, these are just big. The number just is big. It doesn't matter what the number is. It's big. <laughs> Reducing it to zero would be more than my life's worth. But yeah. Uh, someone, if you want to see something ridiculous, uh, someone, go, if you want to see something ridiculous, go look up score attack on the Giga Wing 2, and you'll see what happens when numbers get too big. Uh... Oh, good. Uh, looking at a different score, this one's uh, 34 quadrillion. Hmm. Some video games don't know what restraint is. Mm. Do we want to pull out some more questions, or are we done? Oh, pull out another question or two. Doke, Oakley, Dokely. Neighborina? Yes. Um, okay. 
Oh, finally, one I don't have to answer. Question for the fathers. How do you think about not introducing games to children too early? My cousin recently had a child, and so he decided to sell away his consoles, started using feature phones. He said that he was afraid his son would get too addicted to games too early and thus worsen his eyesight while it was still developing. Is that a thing? Uh, um, well, it's, it's one of those about... subjects of debate. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's It's more like... A lot depends on how much time, literally how much time they spend outside in actual sunlight. Um, I mean, staying inside all day studying has apparently contributed to a massive rise in myopia in China. Um, I wonder nerds have all those glasses. Actually, yes. Um, My my daughter actually had an eye test earlier this week because she got some um, dust in her eye and just scratched herself into a headache. Um, Oh, rough. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she got her eyes checked, and she's got like twenty twenty vision. We're like, nice. That's good. But I'd say mainly, um, it's not really so much out of concerns for their eyesight as it is out of concerns for them actually just doing stuff. Hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, my kids go outside a lot anyway, so I'm not really concerned. Yeah. It's like my daughter gets bored. She decides that she's going to make a picture book. And um, she somehow made up a way of binding a picture book with a shoelace. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a six-page picture book. Um, she's been taping in new pictures, and it is bound in shoelace. Huh. Oh, that's adorable. Yep. And um, at a different time, she was taping up paper around, um, all the way around a balloon that she had, and I was like talk, watching with my wife and was like, looks like she's making a pinata. And my wife's like, oh, that, that's not what she's doing. She went over to talk with my daughter for a moment and she came back and she's like, okay, how did she find out what a pinata is? <laughs> <laughs> so, because that's exactly what she was trying to make. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we have, um, we, we simultaneously, um, What's the right word here? Um, regret and enjoy having Creative Galaxy episodes on on tape right now. <laughs> the capacity children have to watch the same thing repeatedly is impressive. It's true. Let me tell you all about Blippi. Oh, no. I feel like every year I have to hear about something that I didn't know existed and it's not meant for me that you apparently had to see 700 times. Yes. I haven't had to watch Cars in a long time. I miss it. Yeah, I haven't had to play Cars in a long time either. I, I miss Cars. I'd like it back, please. What? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no. What? Help me. <laughs> Save me from the blippy. What on earth? My younger daughter... <laughs> For my younger daughter, it is currently Mira Royal Detective, um, mm-hmm. Yeehaw Dinosaur Ranch, and um, and Spidey and his amazing friends. Oh, that's wow! A that's a deep cut. <laughs> um, and she gets show. really excited. When, she gets really excited when Rhino comes on screen. Nice. With, I'm the... like, it's like, okay, you're two and a half year old, years old, and you know the word rhinoceros. Okay, good. That show has an excellent theme song. Yes, it does. It's it's uh <laughs> it's the singer from Fallout Boy, so it's actually really? someone with some chops. Yeah, 
It is certainly rocking. Yeah. Needs more Firestar on Iceman. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I don't have kids, and that's for the best for the children. Um, let's see. Which turn-based RPG has the best implementation of the spend points to do action system? Spend hmm. points to do actions. That's I'm, I'm thinking of. It's incredibly. Oh uh, yeah, that's vague. probably what. That's probably what he was thinking of because he asked about Scarlet Grace after that. Ah. Uh, uh, okay. But like. Okay, so like you have a set number of points to do stuff, and this may be a one-person thing or a multi-person thing. Um, so yeah, Scarlet Grace is an example. Um, Valkyrie Profile would be an example. Chrono Cross um, is inexplicably an example, but that's a bad one. Yes. Yes. Four Heroes um, of Light. Maybe? I didn't play that. <laughs> Tales of Frogs had CP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, they kind of do bring that in when there's no TP in Tales games, so they kind of end up having that. It actually works really well. Because you don't have to worry about not being able to do really awesome stuff later on. Yeah, yeah, they they do that with uh, Arise as well, where the only like consistently managed managed resource is like curing things. It's like healing pulls from a pool of like magic resources, but like actually doing skills, it's just spend points that regenerate over time. Yeah, the um, so Four Heroes of Light is kind of like the precursor to. Bravely default, so you get a point. Each character gets a point every turn, so you can wait and like wait till you have enough points to use stronger skills or use them right away for weaker skills. It's kind of cool. Yeah, the Romancing Saga Minstrel Song had something similar for individual characters. Nice. Yeah, where I mean, certain skills just couldn't be used unless you had enough battle points. Built up. Hmm. But yeah. Uh. But yeah, I can't really think of a lot of them. Like Scarlet Grace has a very good version of the system. Yeah. And of course, Valkyrie profiles an all-time classic. <laughs> So, um, Cosmic Star Heroine had something similar. What's that? Cosmic Star Heroine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Still need yeah. More of hmm. yeah. Oh, God. I just looked at a question, a couple things down. It's just like, oh, God, I have to go to bat for something. Okay, what oh, is it? Oh, man. <sighs> uh, uh, we'll quickly answer 110 beforehand because it's uh, related to the previous question. Do you think Square Enix will ever reuse Scarlet Grace's combat system in a non-saga RPG? Uh, JRPG, I like it, but just can bring myself to care about the story, some of the quests are fun, then. I don't foresee anyone but Kawatu ever using that yeah. again. 
On the plus side, didn't wasn't there an announcement recently where he was said he was working on a remaster, a remake, and a new game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they made it clear that they were making a like actual for real new side game that is supposed to come out. So I know I, I posted it to our group thing with the comment, "Okay, I really like this conjunction here." So, <laughs> so what do you think the remaster is, and what do you think the remake is? I assume the remaster is Frontier Two. That yeah, that would sense. make the most sense. The remake I'm hoping would be unlimited. Mm. Yes, Just because that's the one that could be that could benefit the most. Let's yes. see if we can make this work the second time. Yes. Um. And next, and big this ah, biggest question: What's the new game? Uh, well, we won't see it coming. Saga well, Four. Whatever it is, we won't see it coming. Yeah. Scarlet Grace too. Mm. I wouldn't see that coming, to be fair. But uh, so yeah, now I have to go to bed for something. We all know that there are rare and expensive games which aren't that fun to play, actually. But is Kingsfield the only franchise with every game having this? I like Kingsfield. It's not for everyone, but it's like it does have a reason to exist. They are not all bad. There are better ones and there are worse ones, but they are not all bad. Uh-huh. Really? Yes. Which ones are good? Uh, honestly, I. It's really going to depend upon like if you don't like one of them, the chances are that if depending on the reasons you don't like it, you're just not going to like any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so what don't you like, Wheels? And then I can tell you. They're slow. Well, then you're not going to like any of them. Okay. <laughs> they are slow and exploratory games that have a kind of dread atmosphere that is kind of the fun. I like my exploratory games not to look terrible. I like my sugar with coffee and cream. But, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, maybe you'll like Kingsfield 4 or Shadow Tower Abyss. Those don't look horrible. But honestly, I, I don't think that you're going to like them. But yeah, like they are they are niche games for niche tastes, but they're fine. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of games where it's like, these are all expensive and they're just kind of boring. But I mean, like, I can't think of one where it's like, the, the problem is that that means that they're also just not that memorable. <laughs> Like you, it would be easier to point out like what's price is most out of proportion with its quality. <laughs> but I mean, at that point, it's just going to be something like Stadium Events, and no one wants to hear about how much Stadium Events is now. How much is Stadium Events now? I'm gonna check. I know. I, mean, I I can think of some games that are actually mid-ranged on the the second-hand market here, but which are still a lot more expensive than I would ever give them credit for. Loose price on there. Stadium... A loose card of Stadium Events is listed on price charting as $13,000. Okay. <laughs> this is, like... Stadium Events is one of the most, like, uh, notorious for... No one wants this to play it. Because Stadium Events... 
it's a reband, a different name for a game that got released. Uh, like it was basically they released Stadium Event, immediately recalled it, and a different publisher released it under a different name. <laughs> So it's just uh, like a rarity thing. Yeah, it that one is straight up a rarity thing. But the thing is, even if the game, uh, even if the game was not wasn't obtainable by its other name, it's also just really boring because it's just a boring like track and field game for your Nintendo. Hmm. But yeah, uh, apparently there has been one sale of a sealed copy floating around and. Some lunatic paid $175,000 for that. Uh, so yeah, uh, don't buy stadium events. That's that's the advice. That's it, words to live by from your friendly neighborhood Q&A class. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the most I can say is I know there are a couple games out there that are going for three or four thousand yen secondhand that I know firsthand are not worth the price. Hmm. But otherwise, uh, not so much. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to think of like I, I'm just thinking of things that have that are extremely expensive, uh, that just aren't that interesting at this stage. Um, that's not too expensive. Thinking of the most uh, expensive PC Engine game at this point, and it's probably the American version of Magical Chase. Currently goes for a princely sum of about five thousand dollars complete. Okay. It's uh, wow. it's. Have you ever played any of the Cotton games? No. Um, no, but I've seen the remake on Switch out recently. So yeah, Magical Chase is a is a Cotton. It's a shmup. Uh, it's or... it's a very it's a cute shmup starring. Yeah. But yeah. Uh. With a, yeah, enough of a following that they just re, that they just published a remastered version of the series on Switch. So yeah, Cotton is very Cotton has like a big cult following. Especially there's some really weird Cotton games. Uh, I think Panorama Cotton is probably the most famous because it's like a space carrier clone for the Mega Drive. But, yeah, yeah, um, it's. Uh, it, it kind of struck me as a like a proto Toho kind of game. It definitely, it definitely would have caught the kind of people who ten years later would have been yeah. early into Toho. <laughs> yeah, that uh, yeah it reminds me of a bit of Toho and a bit of Puyo Puyo. Mm -hmm. Not for the the, the Mato Monogatari fans would have been into that as well. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I can understand what demographic they were aiming this thing at. Oh, absolutely. And Magical Chase is aimed at the exact same topic. Uh, let's see. Uh, just, uh, now I'm just thinking of like really expensive games. Let's see how much Phantom Dragoon Saga is now. I can tell you how much I sold my copy for. How much? No, I won't actually do that. Can't believe you won't tell me. Uh, Apparently it currently goes for about 1200 
not quite as bad as I would think, given how much retro game prices have been shooting up over the past few years. Well, what I've learned recently is that a lot of the times the price you see those things listed yeah, those for are on fake eBay, prices. yeah, that's not what they're trying to... No one actually buys those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just reminded of the time, one time I actually made a big sale on eBay, and it was um, since I had a copy of the original Shanti on Game Boy Color. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Jesus. Box. And I, I just checked in on the prices, and I just noticed it was the same guy trying to sell it for $375 every month for six months. So Yeah, that's always the kind of thing where it's like, if you're treating these things like an investment, I hope you are ready to, like, eat that money for a long-ass time until you find another sucker. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, I enjoyed it a bit again, but it was like, you know what? Um, I could also use a down payment for an engagement ring or something similar. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so actually, no, this is after, actually, this is right before my wedding. So no, this is just down, um, like pay for something, anything. Um, so yeah, I just, I just put it up on eBay for $200 with a buy it now option. That's, uh, I mean, that'll get you the $200 you want real quick. Yeah. Um, the, 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 um, the amount of time between the setting of the, of the eBay listing and the timestamp on the person purchasing it was i think about 16 minutes 34 seconds wow someone definitely had like an ebay thing that was just like alert me when new listings for this product appear yes that was like just straight down wow um actually no i think i said it for 50 dollars start and with a buy it now of 200 and hmm. Someone was like, I would rather just buy that for $200. Yes. Let's see. Uh, that also reminds me that I've, I've just fallen into a list of like weird, obscure, cute shoot-em-ups. And now I'm looking at the box art for Farmful Park, and that's an extremely strange box art. Games, if you will. Huh. It's Harmful Park. Yeah. Uh... I just have a weirder fall title. It's going to be one of those games that's like a really long ass title. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, apparently it's full title being Harmful Park, colon, highbrow gag and pure shooting. Huh. I mean, I guess that's all there is to say about that. <laughs> For those not willing to look it up, the Harmful Park, uh, box art is... A half-eaten something with the words "harmful park" on it. Hmm. Some sort of pie or pancake, something. 
Video game box art can be weird sometimes. Okay. Yeah. How much is Mr. Bones now? I was going to say... Did you ever Mr. Bones? No. Uh, it's still nice and cheap, only like 100 Uh Well, this has gone far off the rails. Uh, like it doesn't normally. Yeah, I think... I Business think as about usual. <laughs> All right, I think I'm about done, so let's, let's call it. get to work on it. Oh, plugging. Yes. Okay. Okay, it's that time again. So, yes, so, um, starting in, let's see, what time is it over there, dudes? It is 1.28 for wheel. Yep. 1.28 on a Thursday. Yep. Yes. So, let's see, the... Okay, in uh, T. Oh, no, I meant that's. Okay, no, accounting for Pacific. Okay, in just over four, in just about, let's say, 60 hours, um, we'll have the author's birthday sale starting for Princesses of the Pizza Parlor. Uh, starts at 8 a.m. Pacific time. So that's uh, 8, 9, 10. Um, 11 a.m. for wheels. <laughs> um, Better have this up by then, wheels. Yeah, I make no promises. Nah, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be spamming this everywhere I can in the next two days. Again, I've been doing it a lot in Twitter anyway. Um, but yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, your um, actual play in prose format, or a game that never actually existed, but hey, it's fun anyway. Um, live vicariously through other people's bad role playing decisions and dice rolls. <laughs> Always fun. I mean, you know, you love it. <laughs> And um, so, yes, yeah, so everything is between zero and 99 cents, except for the paralogue, which I think is like a buck 99, just because it's long. Um, but altogether, oh, let's say that's um, maybe 10 bucks for the entire series. Not bad at all. That's Not a lot of content. Nice. It is a lot of content for 10 bucks, so... Check it out. See, and uh, hope you enjoy. Okay. Wheels. Um, you can catch me on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash squeals, streaming random garbage. Um, I'm probably going to be streaming some random bits of East going forward, including at some point I want to run through East 1 and 2 on... PSP, trying to get through those as quickly as possible. Because those aren't very long games anyway. And um, uh, you can catch us on the Twitch, on the RP Gamer Twitch on Sunday nights for shenanigans, followed by fighting games uh, for which we made. Or me cursing Wheels' fucking name because we're trying to fight fucking three. Oh, I totally counted that as a fighting game. <laughs> That is that is a game where we fight. It is not a fight. Yes, game. yes. We we stream an RPG on the RPG Gamer Switch channel, and then switch over to my channel for fighting games. It's a good time. And um, let's see, I recently recorded some episodes uh, of a Disney themed podcast called The Great Mouse Cast. Uh, with my good friend Kyle Litke. Uh, you can find that on iTunes or wherever you find 
uh, podcast. We did an episode about um, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, which is an awesome movie. And other no spoilers because it's not available in this country for three more days. Yes, I know. We'll not spoil it. No, no, no. It's good stuff. Uh, I think that's about it. And as for, uh, sorry. And as for me, still got a Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash/GameCultureStudy. Uh, haven't gotten back into posting essays yet. I'm building up a buffer, uh, but you know, hopefully beginning of next week, I'll be back on schedule, but it's been a, it's been a lot of the beginning of the year for me. Uh, in any case, uh, feel free to all who choose to, uh, read it still would love any, uh, feedback. If you want to throw me some cash, I certainly won't say no. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's still there. Uh, the old essays have not yet managed to spoil, despite being left out in the cold. Uh, but yeah, so that's still there. Uh, you can join the RP Game Discord and ask us questions, as good friend Fireminer did this week. Uh, just by going to the community tab of rpgamer.com. You can also ask us questions via the comments section like good friend Shaman did this week. Uh, just put them under a recent episode where you should check the last two or three just in case. Uh, and for... Uh, you can also throw them in the Twitch chat. I was not checking the Twitch chat this week because my internet started horribly. But... On most weeks, you can throw questions in the Twitch chat, and we will answer them immediately. Uh, if you want to catch the recording live, it usually goes on at RP Gamer around uh, 8.30 to 9 Pacific on Wednesdays, or uh, 11.30 to midnight Eastern to whenever me or Wheels is too tired to continue, or Gaijin has to leave. One of these three events will one day st will stop the podcast whenever it's allowed to happen. Yep. But yeah, those uh, that's that's our plugs for this week, and see you, Space Cowboys. See you. See you. I followed my.